Sport, Insight, Inspiration. This is your host, Arup Soames. Welcome to Kite Talks. Hey, uh, we are live. We are live with uh, Bruno Rocha um, from Sao Paulo. Uh, he is the EVP at The uh, Zone, um, that's a perform media group uh, company. He leads the business there. Bruno, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time out. Uh, I know you have a lot on your plate right now, but uh, really appreciate it. Pleasure, Ru. Good to speak with uh, you. Awesome. Uh, Bruno, um, just so our listeners know, of course, uh, Bruno, you and I have, uh, met back in uh, New York uh, during the time that I was uh, working at Perform. Um, I, I, do, I, I don't want to talk straight off the bat about, about what you're doing right now and, and uh, leading the business in Brazil, but I want to take one step back. I know you used to work with the NBA um, and, and, and more on sort of the international side. Just give us a little bit about that background, uh, that experience, and then and, and sort of how did the segue happen into, um, into perform and, 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 and into this content business? Uh, that sure. Now. Sure. So I left Brazil in 2008 to go to business school in the U.S. And when I left, I wanted to be involved with things that felt really passionate about and sports and media and technology were two things, were those things. So uh, when I was in business school, I got a summer internship at the NBA, mm -hmm. uh, primarily looking at their business in Brazil when they were trying to figure out and, and, and the strategy and develop the strategy for international expansion in Brazil. Um, I worked for them for a few months and, and they uh, gave me an offer to go back after business school, now working in business development across Latin America, uh, the entire region working uh, in media, sponsorship, e-commerce, licensing events. So working across all areas of their business, uh, although smaller because uh, those uh, uh, those businesses for the NBA outside of the U.S. are relatively small, uh, right. but it was an excellent opportunity to give me exposure to all different areas of the sports business, right? So yeah. uh, it was really fascinating to get exposed to all decisions across sponsorship, across media, uh, which were the main drivers of their business uh, in addition to events. So organizing uh, international games or preseason games in, in those developing markets for them. Uh, it was a very interesting experience. I learned a lot. Uh, and I soon realized that I wanted to be in the media space more than the other areas. Mm -hmm. And that's why I made the transition to perform. Uh, when an opportunity materialized to be solely dedicated to the content business, kind of the media opportunity. Uh, and with perform, that included the U.S. market as well, which was very mm -hmm. fascinating to me. Uh, I decided to make the move because with the NBA, even though I was based in New York, I was focused on Latin America, right? So I lived in New York, yeah. but most of the business uh, was related to uh, Latin America. The kind of stakeholders, the potential partners were all Latin American based. Uh, and when I saw the opportunity to focus on content and include the US and Canada, which was what the perform opportunity offered, uh, I made the move. Nice. No, so, so, so tell us a little bit about your role um, at Perform. I mean, I know uh, it, it personally, at least at the time uh, when, when we were uh, there um, in, in, well, 2012. 
but uh, what, what was the role and, and was it also then focused on, on Latin America or was it the Americas in general? And, and also, um, how did you see perform as, as a business back then? And, and then I'll slowly get into sort of uh, what it's sort of turned into now and, and, and the way uh, um, you, you believe, uh, I mean, where, where it's headed. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's been a fascinating experience, right? I've been with Perform for almost eight years now and the company yeah. evolved and changed so much since then. Uh, and I've had so many different experiences and different roles at the company that I'm, I'm very fortunate to have, uh, to have had this, this opportunity with the company. Uh, when I joined, it was a much smaller digital media company specialized in sports. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was one of the first employees hired in, in the Americas. Mm-hmm. Uh, the company had gone public in the UK uh, a few months before I joined. So I was hired to help them develop uh, the strategy and, and grow the business in the Americas in general. So I was doing uh, uh, business development for certain parts of their business across the entire continent, including the US. This was the, the, the most interesting part. Um, but the business really changed from from those days. Uh, we had at some point a focus, and and when I joined, was primarily to develop opportunities with media companies, yeah. licensing content because the company had its origins in the betting space in the UK, and they were trying to branch out to the Americas, uh, trying to figure out what to do with media companies licensing content. So that's what I was doing back then. Uh, Omni Sport at the time, right? Omnisport was a kind of video news service, good memory, uh, that licensed highlights uh, of sports events uh, that we basically packaged into a product that delivered regularity and and good quality content broadcast in the region. So my role was essentially to uh, speak with all potential partners or or clients that would be interested in in buying highlights from traditional sports channel, from uh, the traditional entertainment channels as well, that had sports programs. Uh, to the digital media startups that would be interested in, in video content. Uh, after, after that, I did that for a few years, maybe like a little bit over a year. Then we, we acquired a, a, a data company that was integrated. So part of the service was to also license data uh, to those same partners uh, that were interested in sports and live scores and, and things that could be integrated to applications or digital offerings. Um, then the company made a very strong move towards uh, ad-funded businesses. And you remember that as well, Arup, when we, yep. we launched a product that was called ePlayer. E-player. There was a video player that uh, we essentially gave those highlights to publishers that might not be interested in acquiring the content or buying the content, but will be interested in receiving the content. Uh, and we will retain um, the advertising opportunity, the advertising inventory to commercialize and then uh, get a return on our investment that way. Uh, so after that, a big part of what I spent doing was developing the ePlayer business in Latin America. We had a presence in, in the U- US already, but I led like the effort to kind of open the ePlayer in Mexico, Brazil. Uh, and it was a very interesting opportunity, no longer the focus of the business. Um, then after a while, we bought another very premium uh, sports data company called Opta. Opta, yeah. Uh, and that was early 2014. 
Uh, and that's when we integrated Opta into our business. And I went back uh, or, or I, I kind of focused a little bit more on kind of integrating Opta into our business in the Americas. Uh, uh, when we acquired Opta, they had their own team based out of the US. So we had to bring that, that team into our operation and figure out how to kind of uh, uh, integrate into uh, the, the, the whole perform operation. Uh, it was a very interesting exercise to basically figure out synergies and, and, and how we'll be able to, uh, to, to use the best of both companies. Um, but my career really took off at the company uh, later that year in 2014 when we signed a deal with the WTA, the Women's Tennis Association, uh, to represent their global media rights around the world. So we, we did a, a joint venture with the WTA. It was uh, an agreement for 10 years where wow. we would basically create a joint venture to manage their media assets in the entire world. Uh, and uh, that would allow me to do something that was somewhat similar to what I did at the NBA, which was kind of uh, uh, managing their live rights business in Latin America. Digital, digital media rights or across no, the board? No, all, all platforms? Across the board, all platforms, wow. right? So, uh, and then when we did this deal with the WTA, uh, it was an outstanding opportunity. I was, I was given the chance to be the person responsible for their media rights globally. Uh, and and the, the, the role was to figure out in every market how to position the WTA rights for growth, for better financial returns, uh, and really work with them to uh, basically monetize the WTA rights uh, at the maximum capacity that we saw in every market. So really, uh, I think the role was to understand every market, what the landscape looks like, what the business model around media looked like. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we could then positions rights. If we felt that the WTA rights generated a certain audience and was under monetized and they were not receiving the fair license fee for those rights, we would then make sure we we engaged with everybody and, and, and argue for a higher valuation for those rights. It was a very interesting role because that gave me the chance. And I, and, we ha and I had a lot of time to do it because we signed a deal in 2014, but the contract actually started in 2017. But we had to basically already start selling the rights in, in every market. But because I had a lot of time, we did, we did things very methodically. Uh, with a lot of analysis and with time. So I went to like all key markets for the WTA around the world, uh, understood the landscape, uh, really engaged with, with every broadcaster in the market, understood kind of the business underlying financials uh, for the broadcasters, understood our audience, and really uh, did a very careful work to generate more returns for the WTA. And it was very successful. We more than doubled their business uh, from 2016 to 2017. Uh, and uh, it was very well received internally and in the industry, the type of analysis that we were doing and not just acting as a trader of rights and yeah. being much more analytical in our approach. Um, that uh, return on the investment for the WTA as well uh, created a business case for us that was very successful that allowed us to replicate uh, partnerships with FIBA, with Common Ball, with the NFL, uh, with the European Handball Federation, and we created a very interesting business for Perform, uh, working with uh, rights holders uh, to help them figure out how to navigate the challenges of the media uh, 
the media industry and how kind of the media industry will evolve. So it was fascinating opportunity. No, I mean, that's, it's a fantastic place to be in. I mean, I, I know whether I'd call it sort of right time, right place, but, 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 but at, at the end of the day, I mean, to be in that position, to be able to, um, to create this model, which is, which is exactly what I think what you did. Um, I think, I think like what we sort of discussed a little earlier is, is, is now you see uh, perform as an organization sort of moving in that direction, which is, which is the whole OTT space. And, and, and at the end of the day, being able to now say, listen, now we have um, the data, uh, we have the business model, it works. You have the case studies to, to show for it. I mean, you can replicate this across the board, right? With, with multiple um, sports uh, and, and even go as, you don't need to be global. You can even go really local um, and, 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 and deliver value. So I think that's... Yeah. Uh, I, I think the, the move to OTT was uh, a result of two things, right? I think as a company, we've always been a digital company first. We started, as I mentioned, the, delivering live streaming to bed and websites. Yeah. Uh, and, and we had... Uh, uh, we, we developed subscription businesses for, for other broadcasters. So we had the internal capability to uh, deliver live events at a very high quality over the internet. That was, uh, again, the base of, of our business uh, 10 plus years ago. And then over the past five years, we've become very good at working with rights holders to understand the landscape of the media industry in every market and be able to assess the opportunity, understand value of rights in most key markets around the world. And, and that led us to identify some very clear opportunities for the business. Uh, when we went to certain markets where we didn't see a very competitive landscape in terms of the broadcasters, mm -hmm. in terms of companies that would be interested in buying rights from us, uh, but we saw high connectivity, interest in sports, uh, and we decided then it was time to try to go direct to consumer to take advantage of those opportunities. Um, it was a bit opportunistic, let's say, to go to those markets because we were initially very focused on a couple markets where we saw a very clear opportunity where rights were very cheap, uh, mm -hmm. but we knew there was a, a big audience and, uh, and sports rights are in general uh, you know, appreciate it, right? There was demand for those, those rights. Um, and, and I'm talking about Germany and Japan. Yeah. From that, when the model really worked and we saw what was happening in the industry as a whole with Netflix and, yeah. and, uh, and you see uh, the, the pay TV bundle in most developed markets uh, going through some challenges and a lot of people canceling their pay TV subscription uh, and you see uh, some of the trends in the US, in, in the UK, in, in Europe in general. Brazil was also a market where we saw pay TV losing subscribers. So that was a clear window of opportunity for us to basically scale the business, go to more markets and, and really try to develop a business that uh, would be viable, but on a direct consumer basis. So we hope to be the first uh, global sports media company uh, uh, to, do, to deliver this type of uh, event to, to the consumer. And we think there was a very uh, clear opportunity for us because of our 
uh, again, uh, internal capability, technological expertise to deliver those events. Uh, and our understanding of the global ma market, not just one particular market, through the experiences with the rights holders. No, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, fantastic to see, I mean, where sort of performance gone now. So, uh, Bruno, I know now uh, you've, um, you've been in Sao Paulo for a short bit. Tell us a little bit, a little bit about the role currently that, that, that you're, you're doing and, and what you sort of plan to build uh, within uh, Brazil. I mean, of course, it's a um, sort of developed market on multiple fronts, um, uh, but, but at the same time, um, from, from a right holder as well as um, a digital sort of content point of view, I'm, I'm sure the opportunities are, are massive. Uh, so yeah, just uh, tell us a little bit about uh, about uh, Brazil and, and and what and what you're doing there. Sure. Um, so uh, it, it was great to come back to Brazil after almost um, eleven years uh, since I moved out to to the US, then moved to the UK uh, four years ago, and and then in December I. I saw uh, uh, an opportunity to uh, help drive the, the zone business in Brazil uh, and, and it ended up relocating with my family earlier in the year to lead our business here, uh, to launch our, our new OTT service that was, was just launched in the market this month. Um, so as I mentioned, the company, when we saw the opportunity for the OTT, uh, in the OTT space in Germany and Japan, uh, we, we were very uh, opportunistic and focused on those two markets uh, because of the, the, the unique conditions. Uh, but then uh, over the past two years, there was a very targeted effort to uh, identify opportunities in other markets where uh, we saw maybe not the same condition as, as Germany and Japan, but maybe significant opportunities for us to grow the business. Uh, so we launched in Italy, Spain, US, Canada over the past few years. Uh, and last year, I helped come up with the business case or put a business case together to, to launch in Brazil uh, because it was a market that offered a very unique condition in that moment in time that allowed us to buy rights to launch and become uh, uh, one of the leading players in that market. That, the, the, mm -hmm. the most difficult part of our, our business is timing and being able to identify sports rights that are available and, and be able to get them. Because even yeah. if you want to launch a certain market, then when, when you realize, when you understand the, the, the landscape and you understand the rights that matter and the values, maybe they're not available uh, for three years, for four years, and you simply cannot launch. Um, last year, there was a very unique situation in Brazil that allowed us to basically look at this market and acquire rights uh, at, a, at a reasonable uh, cost. And that is because we've seen uh, consolidation. Um, so when, when Disney acquired Fox Sports in this market, yeah. they took down one competitor. So there was lower competition. And AT&T, when they acquired Turner uh, and they were kind of reviewing the, the business in Latin America, they decided to shut down a sports channel that was loss making in this market, but they had been a very aggressive acquire of sports rights. 
so in in a year's time we saw two channels that were uh very um active in the market with sports right shutting down or if not shutting down being kind of on on hold until like integration with disney took place um and based on that environment in addition to a scenario where pay tv was contracting uh we saw an opportunity to acquire rights that became available at a reasonable cost uh and we also saw numbers in the broadband side uh in the broadband space they were very encouraging broadband penetration growing mm-hmm. rapidly netflix doing really well in this market it was one of the first markets where they made a very strong original content effort and it really took off uh they surpassed 10 million subscribers in this market uh last year uh, that gave us uh, a lot of confidence that we had a, a kind of a, a, the conditions to launch the zone in this market as well and when i saw this opportunity uh and felt very well equipped to lead our business here because i had the understanding of the sports uh media landscape that is very unique in latin america as well that i had been very active with some of our rights in in the commonwealth rights that i was managing previously uh plus the fact that i've been with the company for almost 8 years and understood our ott uh decision making very well and the key points of 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 our of our business um i felt it was a very interesting challenge especially because of this uh Uh, effort that the company is now making to scale globally i thought uh uh i had to be exposed to uh how to run a, an important market for the business also to be able to take um uh new roles uh in the organization moving forward so bigger roles in the organization moving forward so that's why i made the move and um really exciting times uh, non-stop with work and recruiting and and putting the operations together um but fascinating and 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 really fortunate to to have this opportunity. Bruno you you're one of the few people I know well personally who who has a extremely unique um sort of background because you worked on 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 the league side or of extremely successful league that 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 sort of sells um or has rights deals at in 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 all major markets but now um with with a company like perform and having sort of worked globally and have a sort of thought process on on how multiple markets work um just want to pick your brain on where you see sort of this content business going i mean i know you mentioned netflix a couple of times and you have all the big big players amazon and and everybody else getting into sort of content and i mean obviously the last 10 years has been extremely fascinating in in seeing one is the mobile users and and how uh, 4G 5G and now 5G coming up where it's it's really going to change the face of um of of how fans i mean of course it's already changing how fans really uh, consume content uh but now sort of with the data that's available and 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 really globally how um how different nba is 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 one fantastic example i mean how they're sort of penetrating each uh, uh each market in fact uh, in in india this year is the first time they're going to do an exhibition game uh, pre-season uh, in india um so so globally you can see sort of the shifting landscape and um and and how content is really becoming that much more valuable especially uh, live content just 
again your just general thoughts on on really where this is headed uh, i mean and, and you have that sort of unique thought process to 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 answer this question the best i would imagine yeah no thanks for that i hope um i hope other people see me that way as well i appreciate it i appreciate the kind words uh man obviously uh it, it's hard to to tell uh precisely what's going to happen and nobody knows right but mm -hmm. uh uh in and and we think that uh, on the design side, we're very well positioned for uh, how the, the, kind of the media world and, and the content world will look like moving forward. Uh, and that's why we are investing so much in it. And, and, and we're, we're big believers that we are a kind of pioneers in this world. And, and this will, will be very significant for the business. So there are a couple of things we, we can all agree. Uh, we can all agree that the traditional pay TV model where you watch a linear channel will not be the norm moving forward. Yeah. Uh, you see a lot of kids and I, I can, for example, give an example of, of, of my son that hasn't lived in an environment where, and he's four now, where he had to uh, kind of flip the remote control and look for a linear channel to watch. Right, he's very used to applications. Yeah, he's very used to consuming most of the content whenever he wants, wherever he wants. Right, he's uh, uh, in in a lot of the kind of young demographic that is growing in this world will will behave that way. So we think that uh, the model of watching TV uh, on a linear basis is is probably slowly going away uh, at some point. Uh, there are other points that I think we can all agree that people will have more access to broadband internet or high quality internet. And with 5G uh, being widely adopted in the world, it'll be very easy to consume live video over the internet. Yeah. And all your TV devices or, or your, your screens will be connected very easily. And the price of data would not be uh, a barrier for the consumer anymore, right? So to consume live streaming, uh, whereas now some people will say, well, uh, I would use my entire data plan and it's gonna get very expensive. We, we believe this will go away soon uh, as it gets widespread in the world uh, and, and, and it becomes very access, accessible to people. Um, so those are the things we're really thinking about, right? Uh, when, when we look at, uh, the mindset of a rights holder, there are significant challenges and significant opportunities as well. For a lot of rights holders, it was also a very passive role where you sell your rights to a channel that is very well distributed in the country and everybody watches that channel and you don't have to do anything anymore, right? So right. Yeah. Uh, there are quite a few channels uh, in, in a few markets that they have such a significant audience that if you sell your rights to them, you're guaranteed to have people watching your content. However, the world a few years from now will not be like that because people have so many options uh, and, and you're not going to have um, uh, a very dominant uh, outlets that uh, are consumed by everybody. So audience will be much more fragmented around the world. Uh, that rights holders will have to work a lot harder to uh, build 
relevance for, for their events, right? And to, to make sure you're top of mind because otherwise you replace that event with something else because there's so many options available in the world that even though you're a fan of a certain event, uh, you might forget about it. And NBA is a good example. In the US, they'll always be relevant, but internationally, if they don't work very hard, uh, you get replaced with something else, right? And, um, and that's why for the rights holders in general, uh, it, will, it will take a bigger effort to develop your business, to, to, to stay relevant in the world. On one hand, there'll be many more people uh, that you can reach. Uh, and when you yeah. think about the, inter the pay TV penetration, quite a few developing markets, it was very low. Right, you're talking about 30, 20 percent. India is a good example where like pay TV never became a huge thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but you'll be able to now hit a significant higher number of people uh, in the future world. But on the other hand, you're going to have to work harder, and you're going to have to uh, develop strategies to stay relevant and to make sure you're top of mind because people can replace your content very easily if you're not uh, easily accessible, if you don't offer a good experience, if you're not engaging. Uh, so that will be kind of the big shift in mentality from rights holders. You're going to need to host events like a good example, the NBA is doing in India because uh, if you're not in your key markets frequently, uh, reminding people of how interesting you are and how relevant you are, uh, people just replace you with another form of entertainment and that can be movies that can be tv shows that can be other sports uh, i think the the amount of content that is available to individuals right now is so high compared to what we've seen 20 years ago yeah. uh that it's going to be like a, a very strong effort to to get people engaged and when, when you think about uh, a lot of the services including ours if you're not delivering value to people all the time, they can just cancel our service with one, one click, right? Yeah. So it, it's one click and you cancel your service. And that means uh, you have to fight back to regain the users and it's, it's not an easy job. So uh, the mindset of, 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 uh, of churn, of staying relevant and really making the effort to uh, deliver the right experience and staying relevant in, in, in many markets is, is going to be different. So it will take a different type of skill set from the rights holders as well. And it will be an exciting time. But I think, again, every change brings um, opportunities. And, and, and I, I'm very excited about the world moving forward. Yeah, no, I think uh, um, it's, it's, it's fantastic what you said and it puts a, it, it in an extremely interesting perspective when you just said that it's just sort of one click away for, for that one consumer to, to cancel your subscription, which, which exactly what you're saying. It's, it, the the uh, consumers are, or the fans uh, are so fragmented. You really need to sort of be top of mind or not even top of mind, but there engaging them in, in whatever form. Um, yeah. and, and yeah, but I've, I'm, I'm, I know we're, we're sort of just about running over time. I'm just going to ask you one last thing in all of this, when you see sort of the fragmented, um, fan base or, or the whole, the entire global market, does the commercialization of these rights 
still hold good um, because of, I mean, sport being consumed life? Is, is that, is that, is, is, is it always, I mean, at the end of the day, we, we both know that it's best when you watch a game live, right? Uh, and, and, yeah. and sort of, is that, um, is, is the, is the value of these rights sort of um, pegged that at that particular piece? Or is it also at now, like what you mentioned, the reach is that much more. Um, so, so you can, I mean, it's a, it's a tricky one though. Yeah, no, it's a good question. I think uh, based on our experience and, and the experience that we see on the platform that is now very uh, data driven and we can see what people are watching, how much they're watching yeah. uh, and where they're, they're located. Let's, let's see. Uh, it's very clear that live commands the vast majority of the audience. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I don't see that changing. I, I think there's certainly uh, a need to invest in, and you'll see a lot of that because of what I just said about creating relevance for your events, uh, developing your audience, creating context for a big event that is about to come up. So you see a lot of events, uh, there are for like to build up for the for for certain uh, competitions or certain events, right? So if you have a boxing fight and you need to educate people on on how relevant that fight is, so there'll be a lot of documentaries, there'll be a lot of productions to 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 get people excited about the live event. But certainly, live is where most of the audience leaves, uh, and and for companies operating in the sports industry. The beauty is that you know that certain events, if you buy them, there'll be some audience for them, right? So uh, when when I was talking to a few people in the industry and we were discussing the pros and cons of our business compared to something like Netflix or, or Hulu in the US, uh, my answer was Netflix, Amazon, and Hulu, and any traditional sports media, you have to invest a lot of money in original content, right? Mm -hmm. And, and we, we, we all know the, uh, the amounts that uh, companies like Netflix and Amazon are spending a year, billions of dollars developing original mm -hmm. content, but you don't know what's going to work, and yeah. you don't know what will generate audience. Uh, so you have to really try hard to reach... Uh, a, a, a wider demographic, but you have to experiment a lot and you don't know what's going to work. So sometimes you invest billions in, in a series that you think everybody would like and then it doesn't take off. Whereas sports, you know that if you buy the Premier League rights in England, you're yeah. guaranteed to generate an audience, right? The Brazilian League rights in Brazil, you're certain to have an audience. Uh, the challenge is, are you able to buy those rights at a cost-effective uh, 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 value that will allow you to monetize and bring people to the platform and maybe monetize like over over an entire experience, not just focused about not just focused on those rights. Those are the, the difficult questions, but uh, and we don't have an answer to. But it's clear to to us that live rights uh, are let's say a certain bet to bring a significant uh, number of people to the platform. And, and that's where most people are spending their time um, consuming live sports. True. 
No, awesome. No, uh, Bruno, thank you so much. Your perspective has uh, really been fantastic. And, and, I, and I know we will continue the conversation um, over, uh, I mean, uh, soon. Um, so, so really, thank you for taking the time out. Really appreciate it. Uh, and uh, yeah, well, uh, talk soon. Pleasure, Rup. Talk soon. Great to speak with you after such a long time. So hopefully yeah. we're not going to take too long anymore. Pleasure. <laughs> of course. Cheers.